0: Developer the t I'm Carson Cestuoli. This is Fangraphs Audio. Uh, <clears throat> in April, listener uh, Diamondback Street reporter Nick Picoro appeared on edition of Fangraphs Audio, taped in the press box cafeteria of Milwaukee's Miller Park. Uh, about two months later than that, uh, almost exactly two months later, in the uh, beginning of June, uh, Nick Picoro appeared on edition of Fangraphs Audio, taped at a different press box cafeteria, the one in Chicago's Wrigley Field. A stirring episode of that uh, uh, of Figraphs Audio. of That uh, and um, what is to follow is a tri- is a is the third of a trilogy. Uh, this is once again Diamondback Speed Reporter of the Arizona Republic. Nick Pecora is once again taking place in a in a press box cafeteria. In this particular case, uh, that is the press box cafeteria of Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts. Literally within two hours of, for me, of flying into Boston, Boston's Logan Airport from Philadelphia at the Sabre Conference, at which conference I recorded episodes of Fangraph Saudi with David Temple and Aaron Gleeman. Uh, literally within two hours of doing that, of flying into Boston, I went to Fenway Park, found Nick Picoro and we recorded the following conversation in the aforementioned Press Box cafeteria. That's, uh, that's, that's what that is. It's a third of a trilogy with Nick Picoro on Fangraphs Audio, an episode of Fangraphs Audio, which begins, without delay, right now. Yeah, I think... Although, uh, so I have, um... I, I just came from the Sabre conference. Oh, yeah. How was that? Um, it was fun.
1: Because was you're Philadelphia? Bit, or yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Um, you're a little bit quieter than me, I think. We've established that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should... Don't be afraid to make love, make love to the microphone. Okay. Um, yeah, I just came uh, came in, and I entered, uh, had conversation with uh, David Temple. You might know. His work can be found in the pages of KnockRap's... Uh, the electronic pages, not just the not the print ones like you're used to. Mm-hmm. The um, And I should say that's like a VIP-level VIP, VIP level subscription. You actually get knock in print delivered to your front door. But I also interviewed uh, Aaron Gleeman. Oh, okay. But his voice will be appearing in these pages very soon. I don't um, think I've
1: ever met Aaron. We've but, interacted, I believe, on Twitter. But you, I think you guys will get
0: along. Uh, Aaron's great, and he's also a bit of a comedy nerd. And he's, oh, a, okay. he's definitely a podcaster. Um, he uh, yeah he just sits home and listens to podcasts all day.
1: Sounds like the life. Yeah,
0: it's a pretty good life. You know, tri- you're going to kill Aaron Gleeman and take his place? <laughs> you're going to wear his body like a skin, like your own skin, <laughs> second skin? Are we marining? We're marining, yeah. So he would probably recognize that. A reference. Reference. I'm here with Nick Nick Picoro of Arizona Republic, Diamondback beat writer. And uh, this, is, uh, this is a special day. This is Red Letter Day
1: for us. Nick? Um, I'm actually getting creeped out by this. Why? Well, because I feel like you're just following me around the country.
0: Right. So, uh, was it April or May? Uh, we sat down and had a, a nice conversation at the uh, Press Box Cafe at Miller Park in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um <clears throat> then, uh, sometime later than that, we sat down and had a in June, I think, a yeah. pleasant conversation at Wrigley Field Press Box Cafe. And look, uh, look where we are! Look where we find ourselves today, Nick. Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, Massachusetts. Fenway Park, home of the Boston Red Sox. We're having a nice discussion. We're going to have a nice discussion, Nick, in the uh, press box cafe of Fenway Park, and um, you have to you have to excuse me. Uh, this is an, in, well, so first of all, you have to excuse me because I just flown in this morning, um, and besides, my arms being tired. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Yeah, um, my actual the rest of me is tired too. Because <laughs> uh, what time
1: is your flight?
0: Uh, nine o'clock, and so you know, it's was out. Not too bad. Not not, not terrible, but you know, um, the saber the saber commission is full of a um, great deal of merriment. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, revelry, and a uh, way to facilitate both those things is by means of uh, adult adult so soda, adult sodas. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. so uh, it should be noted. If there's like a like a little sound. That's uh, that's Nick Piccolo actually eating a meal. Potatoes. Yeah, we yeah. have a we have a brunch situation here. Yeah. Okay, so I should say, well, if if, um, if I seem excited or maybe I. Uh, bewildered just because this is um, this is this is the stadium I went to games at when I was young uh, I grew up in New Hampshire and uh, I've a, a lot of family in the Boston area and um, went to a lot of games here uh, I, my first game was in 1986 or seven I believe a87 um, Sir Roger Clemens pitch
1: that was an RBI um, baseball team it right? was an
0: RBI baseball team I was here with um, uh, both of my grandfathers, maternal and paternal, and my dad. So it was like a real event. And cool. uh, But I have not been able to go uh, to any games of late uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because I haven't been living in the Boston area. Secondly, because it's uh, cost prohibitive. Yeah. And uh, so now I've found a way in through the back door. Literally through the back
1: door. So have you been in this press box at all? Before? No, zero is This is your first time as a... Yeah.
0: That's cool. So i freaked out a little bit. I mean, you know first of all one thing um, no one is lying about the club the size of the clubhouses I've I only went to the visitors clubhouse but having started in Milwaukee um, been to I guess I didn't go to Chicago but I've been to some other stadiums yeah it's different it's it's tight like um, one of the uh, one of the Diamondbacks coaches ran into me <laughs> and he was he said he apologized to me um, it actually though there does seem to be and this is very basically a very small sample a slightly different feeling among the players or a slightly different uh energy within the clubhouse because it's Fenway. I mean, what what's your uh, opinion on that?
1: Yeah, I, I I think so for sure. I mean, we we have a, a lot of younger players on the team and I th- I think a lot of those guys are just excited to to be here and to to you know, have the chance to just to just uh you know, take in all the history. I mean, you know, guys that talk about all the amazing players that pass through here. I mean you see you see more players kind of wandering around out on the warning track and looking at the at the wall and just kind of appreciating where they are um than, than you, you do in other ballparks. It it's cool. But you, you're right, it's it's weird. The the coaches usually have their own little locker room in a different room and here they're just like right alongside a lot of the other players and it's it's cramped. There was a there's a power outlet next to a table but there's, like, a three-feet gap uh, between the table and and the wall outlet. And this wall outlet is, like, up... It's one of those ones that's about halfway up the wall. Okay. So it was giving me great anxiety yesterday because there's computer cords, power cords plugged in there, and guys are, like, kind of... Climbing across it, and I just I could feel all sorts of you know right. somebody was going to knock over a laptop or fall and injure themselves or something. So I wound up asking the one of the one of the clubhouse guys to get a, a power bar and, and yeah, oh, throw it down. To, yeah, yeah. To, it's just it's a weird you don't you don't have that kind of. Now I'm being we're being photographed. This is oh creepy. look at this oh yeah that's this could be this could accompany it. This is creepy. Uh, and this
0: is this is uh. This that, is that's this, Steve Gilbert. Steve Gilbert, yeah. MLB.com reporter. Right. Yeah, is he is he aware of uh, is he aware of the significance
1: of this event? <laughs> I don't know, but that was <laughs> that was weird. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a it's a safer zone now in right. the in the clubhouse. But um,
0: <clears throat> so what it should be noted, and this was surprising for me, is that while that while quite tight, um, and I assume this is at some level testimony to ownership here the amount of dollars that come through the stadium and the sort of like the fact that there's an awareness among ownership that this is a high profile club and um, a lot going on here is that the amenities are, are quite nice actually the, this uh, um, the cafeteria is quite nice it's the hard uh, wood panel floors um, the, the press box area is nice even though again quite tight um,
1: uh, <laughs> although uh, and we, we just mentioned Steve Gilbert um there are some issues with the ballpark still, and uh, Steve discovered one last night after leaving the clubhouse and heading upstairs to the press box. He was stuck in the elevator. Oh my! Yeah, he and he and Todd Walsh, the Fox Sports Arizona guy, were stuck up there for about a half an hour. They had to escape through the, the ceiling no. of the elevator with yeah. They they dropped him a, a ladder down. They climbed up that. Then they had a second ladder that they climbed up to the. To, you know get actually you know that's very adventurous the, yeah yeah
0: that's that's um that's amazing that they, yeah. I mean like you yeah. think like usually they get it
1: moving within a certain amount of time right they, they couldn't I guess they had been having some issues with it uh, and and the guy had been there earlier in the day one of one of their service guys and, and he had already left because I don't know it was, it was probably an hour after the game or something, right. so oh my
0: well that yeah I guess yeah that
1: that will They're, happen yeah, yeah it, I mean you're right it's it's kind of a It's kind of a nice mix of of new and old, you Mm. know, in this place. Now, um,
0: you have given brief assessments of, uh, I think, um, Miller Park uh, distinguished itself for having one of the better ice cream bars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, Wrigley Field, of course, has its own charms. Uh, so far as the cafe, the press box cafe is concerned, I, now I think you probably have not been to Fenway very often, so it might be hard for you to make any uh, comments about it.
1: But uh, curious, the, the dining situation? Yeah, I, I I give it a thumbs up. They have lots of options, and um, my my uh, my favorite thing about it is the simplicity of the options. Sometimes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they've got some peanut butter and jelly set out over okay, there. Yeah, if you sure. just want to make a sandwich? You can get a deli sandwich. You right. can have really up a grilled cheese Mm -hmm. slice of pizza it's just it's simple well you know if you're making food for a lot of people
0: probably best not to make it too complicated right Mm -hmm. just uh the uh staples as it were I'm actually enjoying my hash quite a bit here I'm a big fan of uh corned beef hash Mm -hmm. this has been this is fantastic yeah did you do it right um I I don't want to uh I don't want to confuse you at all, but I was actually going to ask you a real question about the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, well, there, there are actually a number of sort of stories concurrently, but um, but at the trade deadline, an actual real thing happened. Yes. Did you need they, check?
1: No. I. Well. Are we? Our, pod, our podcasting was just mentioned on, on Twitter. Oh, via, so uh, via
0: Twitter? So, yeah. uh, Media Social? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, you were uh, So uh, a strange thing happened, which is that the Divex were currently in second place, I believe, in the NL West. Oh, yeah, look at those guys. There <laughs> we are. The handsomest okay. there are. The, um, <laughs> very good. Courtesy, Steve Gillen. The, um, <clears throat> they traded away um, Ian Kennedy, who has, at points... Uh, generally points earlier than this year maybe earlier than 2012 Been a, rather an effective pitcher um, uh, it, it, so I think that, that his reputation um, certainly that that exists right sort of in the, the among the baseballing populace uh, he, he had not been very particularly good this year uh, and the indicators were not encouraging in terms of future uh, future development so um, in, a, in what I would probably consider to you know, um, counterintuitive. The uh, Kevin Towers traded away what has been one of the most uh, the team's most dependable pitchers to acquire a lefty reliever, and they are typically ubiquitous. Although maybe the Diamondbacks had uh, a dearth of them. Yeah, a, a, a promising. Um, younger reliever, and then a um, competitive uh, lottery pick, or a competitive whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but you had some interesting words on it to say this is a peculiar situation.
1: Yeah, I, I think that they're just in a tough spot. I mean, like, by, by most uh, indicators, you you would think that this really isn't a very good team. You know, I mean, they were a couple of games over 500 when they made the trade. They're really in the race only by virtue of the division they're in. Um, so I mean in in some ways you you kind of want to temper what you do at the deadline you don't want to be too aggressive but you're still in the hunt you know I think they were two and a half back when when the, the deadline came and um, you know, you, you got to do something, don't you? I mean, you, you you kind of have to try to improve your team. You have to go for it. I don't I don't think you should take an opportunity to make the playoffs. You shouldn't take it lightly. You shouldn't, you, you, even if even if your team isn't, even if you know your team isn't that good, you should. You know, you still you still got a shot, right?
0: You know, um, well, pl- and plus, making the playoffs is quite valuable to yeah. a franchise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and honestly, I mean, you you know, once you get to the playoffs, you never know what could happen. So, I mean, I, I think if you just give yourself a shot, maybe you catch a little bit of fire, and the next thing you know, you're in the NLCS or something. So, anyway, th- they had to do something, and I, and I think that Ian Kennedy was struggling so badly that they couldn't really afford to continue to give him starts. Um, the, the, the unfortunate thing for me is, the way that I look at it, is if the deadline had maybe come a week or two later, That maybe this is the kind of deal they don't make because you know in another week or two the way the Dodgers have been playing the way these guys have been struggling I wouldn't be surprised if they're you know six or seven games out they're four and a half games out now here here we are just a few days after the trade deadline Um, and you know maybe they bet on a bounce back with Ian Kennedy and maybe they feel that you know maybe now isn't the time to to be acquiring a left-handed reliever, you know, or, or maybe maybe they change the parameters of what they look for in return, you know?
0: What, what happened to you Kennedy? What, what's been going he, on with he him? He just doesn't know where his fastball's going right now. Um, is, the, is the velocity about the same? It's about
1: the same. There's not quite as many uh, threes and fours, but he's still 90 to 92. You know, I, I don't... I didn't see him reaching back and kind of getting a little bit extra like he had in the past. Um, but it's more a matter of just making too many mistakes uh, with with his fastball and, you know, either falling behind or, or leaving pitches out over the plate. And, and he just doesn't have dominating enough stuff where he can make those kinds of mistakes right. often enough. And, and it was totally different from the guy that he was in 2011. I'm not sure what what's going on, whether it's... It's, it's weird because his mechanics just are, are such that you know they're 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 clean and easy and you know they're they're simple. You wouldn't think that that kind of guy would have big command issues, right? Especially if he hadn't demonstrated them right. earlier. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He's never he's never been that guy. So, you know. Uh, Maybe a change of scenery, maybe, you know, getting in with, you know, getting some different voices, talking to him, and, and, you know, I'm not saying the Dimex coaches aren't any good, but, I mean, you know, just getting, sometimes you just need to hear it from somebody different. or Like phrased a different way. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I I would take a chance on him if if I were another club, for sure. So now anytime Kevin
0: Towers acquires a relief pitcher, uh, I think it's of some interest because it appears as though every, at least from where I'm sitting, he has an excellent conversion rate in terms of um, acquiring uh, um, relief pitchers, whether they're, you know, in a trade or uh, just, you know, from an independent league. Um, they always seem to perform excellently. And I know, you know, this past offseason, when uh, Towers acquired Heath Bell, he, there was that was a mysterious move. I mean, Bell had obviously been effective in the past, but uh, he, he's not what you call a physical specimen. I mean, he's a specimen of some description, <laughs> but, but, but not not like an Adonis figure. And uh, between that and um, decreased effectiveness, you think mm. uh, Bell's had uh,
1: uh, Bell's had a, a bounce back year. He's been kind of okay. It's it's been a weird year for him. Uh, I think he has five blown saves, mm-hmm. um, which uh, which puts him in a you know tie for the third most blown saves in the league. Last I looked. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's been hard to trust him in big situations at times, but he hasn't been that bad. Uh, you're, you're right. I mean, he's he's kind of gotten himself back on track and seems to have a lot more confidence. And you know, the that that's kind of what makes me interested in in the the other piece that they got in that trade, along with uh, Joe Thatcher. Right. They, is- they got a guy Matt Stites, who has tremendous minor league numbers. Um, apparently, has a fastball that has touched 100 before. Um, you know, he's generally sitting in the mid nineties, and um, you know, he's gotten some Craig Kimbrell comparisons.
0: Right? Was it a Dayton? De- no, a De- uh, it was uh, Bill Gayton. Bill Gaten, He right, used sorry. to be
1: the Padres scouting director under KT. Right in uh, San Diego. Yeah, he's he's now a scout with the Dimebacks, and apparently he's he's seen uh, he's seen Stites quite a bit, and yeah. and, and and likes what he saw.
0: But he had like is it like a fifty-five to eight strikeout to walk ratio, or fifty-three yes, in, to, 50, to yeah, something like that. Fifty something innings. And, um, yeah, apparently he's, he's
1: hitting 96, 97, something like this. Yep. Promising yep. all and the way around. A, and he's a 5'11 guy who doesn't weigh a whole lot. So, I mean, there are some Kimbrel comparisons right. there. Um, um, another interesting piece you, you've written
0: recently, uh, because, I say, in addition to sort of your um, uh, mm-hmm. meditations on the trade deadline deal, uh, you had a great thing. In, in, uh, this, is, I guess you've actually done it two years previous to this. And you have these a long, extended... Um, Monologues from area scouts discussing the players whom uh, the Dymex had drafted. Yeah. And I would say to anyone who is sort of interested in, uh, I guess, witnessing not only a scout's opinion about some players who've been drafted recently, but you can. It, it's, it's very clear like the sort of possessive quality or like paternal quality yeah. they have in some cases yeah. um, I mean John Barch I think John Barch is that right mm-hmm. he was the area scout who looked uh, who was uh, following Braden Shipley right their so, like, first round pick it, right first round pick out of Marshall was it uh,
1: no out of uh, Nevada Reno Nevada Reno okay their next pick was Marshall,
0: yeah. Oh, oh right. Sorry, yes, uh, Shipley, right? Aaron Shipley, but uh, John Barch. Uh, John Barch's. I mean, it's a it's an in depth analysis of uh, what's yeah. going on with Shipley, but you just uh, even for me as someone who has no real investment in the Diamondbacks. I was. Uh, I became very enthusiastic about Shipley's prospects just based on the way this Barch uh, yeah. you know, is selling him.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. I mean, all of these guys. There's there's reasons why they draft all of these guys. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't get them to go in depth about their 25th round pick or anything. But I, I kind of limit it to the top 10. But when you get in the, you know, when you're in the top 10, there are, are things that they really, really like about these players and and reasons that they that, that they have to believe in them and. Um, it's, it's great because a lot of these guys have known them sometimes they, they play on Scout teams when they were you know 18 years old or, or you know even younger actually you know 15 16 years old they they're playing on these on these travel teams locally that these Scouts coach and run as a way to kind of you know become more uh, you know ingrained in the community mm-hmm. Um so these guys know their life stories inside and out. They know the families. They know the coaches. They know everybody close to them. They've they've got all these anecdotes and all these, you know, they they've seen him play often. You know, dozens of games. Um, it's it's great. And and it's it's interesting too, though, because you know how the draft works. I mean, you, you're often it's rare that you're going to draft a guy in your area. First right. of all, right. And sometimes you might not even draft. You know the the top five or six guys in your area that you like the best. Right. You know. So so it, it's it's just interesting that that they still have all of these great things to say about these guys, and they might have even more to say about the guy that the Braves took in the fourth round, or you know whatever. Right. Uh, no, if
0: I could, this this is a logistical question to some degree, but it's one about which I'm curious, which is how did you go about uh-huh. setting up? So the w- the way you have published these is that, again there's sort of like these long monologues,
1: yeah, but I assume that there's there, been yeah there's definitely I don't just say like go you know yeah. um. <laughs> I I um I usually start off by just uh, by just saying, Hey, you know, what was what what's the first memory you have of like seeing this guy play? Like when when did you first cross paths with him? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of they kinda go from there and, and I say okay, well, you know, what did you like about him? What 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 concerns you about him, what do you see him turning into down the line? And I, I just feel like it's it's easier if I just kind of take myself out of it and let them let yeah. the quotes speak for themselves in those right. in those stories. But um yeah, they're, they're great I mean they're they're almost all like you know they don't deal with a lot of reporters I, I and I think that they' you know they're they're kind of the underappreciated guys in an organization a lot of the time and I, and I, I feel like they deserve to get some attention um, it can be tough to, to track everybody down um, you know they're they're busy I, I'm busy and it's uh, you know those conversations usually take 15 20 30 minutes sometimes. Right, right Um but it's, it's fun. It's one of my favorite things to do every year. I've, I've done it a few years in a row now, and I, I hope to continue doing it.
0: Do you have a sense of – this is the sort of thing about which uh, um, about which I'm curious, which is the degree to which a, an area scout might have to sell a player, I guess, right? Because, um, there's, you know, you have layers of – you have an organization, have yeah, Dynamics organization. Um, you have layers. You I mean, these area scouts, you know, they, there may be years where they're not – like you said, they're not – they're getting no one drafted, right? Because maybe their area doesn't have the right guys, or it's not—it does not match up with maybe the overall philosophy yeah. of the club. But sometimes, you know, maybe John Barge has Shipley, and you know, I mean, he seems excited about Shipley. Yeah, you see where he could sell him. Do you have a sense of their strategies for doing that? Or?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think you could—you could tell from reading one of them. Um, the scout who drafted, uh, or, or, or who had Daniel Polka, who's a, a first baseman out of Georgia Tech in right. his area, he was talking about how um, seeing Polka go on the mound. He's, he's a slugging first baseman, apparently, right. and seeing him go on the mound late in the season and all of a sudden become an, an option for them out of the bullpen was something that really caught on his radar. And he said he he made that he made another call to the scouting director to just say, "Hey, look, you know." This is what I'm seeing. Like, I think maybe we we're selling this guy too short to call him just a one-dimensional first baseman. You know, you you could tell like there were that, that that was something that that he saw and took it as an opportunity to lobby. Um, I think it often depends on the relationship between the the scout and the scouting director. Um, I heard a story from someone with another organization where the scouting director had barely seen this player. It was the second or third round, mm-hmm. and the guy walked up and said. So and so still on the board. You need to take him here, and the scouting director didn't have a ton of history with with the player. Okay, but he trusted him, took him, and he turned out t- to be a very good player. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, and I was, It's curious to me is like at that point, like if you're if you're a scout, regardless of your level, if you're not the you know the scouting director or GM, the degree to which your like rhetorical skills could
1: come into play. Or, I, yes. You know, I, I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point. And I think a lot of these guys, like the ones that... I, I, and I, I think that that's true not just for, for area scouts. I think it's true for, for guys that are that are pro scouts trying to sell the organization on making a trade. Um, sometimes, uh, like well, I can think of a Dimeback scout that uh, had told me about a player that had been non-tendered. And he kind of saw this coming. Mm-hmm. And he was watching this player for a long time and was expecting the phone call. He gets the phone call from the GM and says, hey, you know, this guy's been non-tendered. What do you think of him? And he already had, like, this whole, like, plan of attack. Like, absolutely, we have to go after this guy. Like, I, I think this, this, this. Like, I this is why he struggled. This is the situation that he was in. I believe in him. I believe he's going to bounce back. And he wound up bouncing back. Uh, the same scout told me, though, that there was another player that he just, he didn't have that good of a feel for. Um, he also wound up becoming you know having it having a, a good bounce back type of season, but the scout just wasn 't that sure, and he didn 't push that hard when the gm called him about him right. that, that next time and he, and he kind of felt bad like oh, you know i, I didn 't really take a side i didn 't really do my job there but yeah i mean i, I think i think like yeah, I think like having conviction and and being able to really like express yourself in a in a um, in a convincing manner. Do, it it does it it does wonders in in um, in, in, in getting action uh, on yeah. your side. Right. You know. Um,
0: uh, lastly, with you have to go. Uh, you're a busy band. Um, <clears throat> Brandon McCarthy though is making his. Uh, we're, we're here on a Sunday at uh, Fenway. He's making his first start in uh, a couple months. And, yeah. Um, What's uh, what's been his trajectory this season? His his injury was what? Was injury well, he had
1: the the shoulder thing that always pops up. Um, it, it popped up right at the end of May when it normally does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very strange. He doesn't really understand it, and it, he he thinks that he's kind of he's kind of invented the injury. It's uh-huh. like a it's like a stress fracture in his shoulder or something. It, really it leads inflammation, and it goes away every time after after a few weeks off, and he has to build back up. I I think though that he was set back a little bit this time because he had that seizure i don't um, know if you remember reading about that i did not read about that yeah he was at dinner with his wife and he had a he had a seizure uh, and it was related to the head trauma from right, last year of course, yeah. um, so it's very scary um but I, I i guess he's on um on medication and um you know he hasn't had any other issues that, mm-hmm. that i know of so that probably cost him a week or two uh, in the rehab process. Probably just you know they backed off a little bit, but yeah, I mean he he, he wasn't good in April. He was pretty good in May, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're going to need him to step up here uh, over the last couple of months of the season. I mean that's part of the reason why they were willing to trade Kennedy to you know create room in the rotation for him and and when Cahill comes back as well. Yeah, well they've had some they've had some injuries and they have guys returning from those injuries. I think Aaron Hill is recently back. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I still feel like that hand might be bothering him a little bit. Okay. Um, he's playing with like a... essentially with a broken bone in his hand. Um, it's just, it's even not playing with a broken bone. Just
0: walking around with a broken bone. Yeah. That's un- seems unpleasant. That's no good. Yeah. And then what's, what's Adam
1: Eaton up to right now? Um... Well, he's kind of not really in the mix at no. the moment, which is too bad for him. It's been a rough year because, I mean, he was they kind of came into the year with him expecting to be the leadoff guy and the spark plug, and he had the elbow issue and was just about to come back in May, and then the elbow flared up again, and he, he wound up coming back right before the All-Star break, but he just hasn't been able to get going offensively. I mean, it's... I'm sure some of it is is from not playing much in the first three months of the season. I'm sure some of it is from sporadic playing time up here since he's been back. But right. yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's been kind of a lost year for him so far. I mean, there's still a couple months left, and we'll, we'll see what he can do. But we will. Well, let's let you go. Uh, let's let's shake. We're gonna shake on on uh, the air. All right. We just shook. Happen. Yeah.
0: That's the Nick Cora of the Arizona Republic, Diamondback Speedwriter, Carson Stuuli. This fan FanGraphs Audio. Thanks for having me. <laughs>